Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. It's Thursday, August 24th. I'm your host, Stephen Overling. Well, the eve of the Digital Services Act is upon us. As soon as tomorrow, online platforms with more than 45 million users in the European Union will have to remove illegal content, stop some targeted ads, and give users more control over algorithms. The law's targets are names you'll readily recognize. Meta, Google, X, TikTok, Amazon, and Apple among them. The coming weeks will reveal whether those companies are in compliance after months of preparations, and whether EU regulators plan to come in hot with enforcement. You can expect to hear more from us on this in September, so stay tuned. Save the date and perhaps pack a bag. The UK has set November 1st and 2nd for its much-anticipated summit on the safety of artificial intelligence. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak wants to position the UK as a leader in AI. And the summit's backdrop is meant to send a not-so-subtle message about the UK's tech prowess. Leaders will convene at Bletchley Park, the famous home base of Alan Turing and the World War II codebreakers. There have been a lot of headlines about self-driving cars coming out of California in recent days. And I don't mean the story about the car that got stuck in wet cement or the one about the car that hit a fire truck. The fight over the future of how we move around on U.S. roadways is playing out right now in San Francisco, where protesters are resisting new rules that allow more autonomous taxis. And in Sacramento, where lawmakers are advancing a bill that would require trucks to have a human on board. On the show today, political reporter Jeremy White breaks down the ongoing power struggle between labor unions and the tech industry and explains why California's tech-friendly governor is inserting himself in an unusual way. There have been a lot of, like, headlines on autonomous vehicles coming out of California lately. Some of them are kind of funny. Some are more alarming. You know, I read about one AV that collided with a fire truck. I read about another one that got stuck in cement, (laughs) like wet cement. You know, and then there have been these protesters in San Francisco. Set the scene, I guess, for us, kind of what's happening right now in California with all these these stories about AVs. Absolutely. It's a great question. And you're right. It is very much in the news right now. I think you need to separate two pieces here, what's going on at the state level and what's going on in San Francisco. So in San Francisco, obviously a a hub of the tech industry, arguably the hub, these self-driving cars have become unavoidable. You see them whizzing around the city uh, with the steering wheel spinning and no one behind the wheel. And uh, things really came to a head recently when California's Public Utilities Commission was voting on whether to let those companies, Cruise and Waymo, charge for rides as those uh, essentially now robo-taxis were traveling the city at all hours of the day and night, potentially. You saw tremendous pushback here from San Francisco city officials, including public safety officials, who, Stephen, you noted uh, issues with fire trucks. First responders have talked about these vehicles unexpectedly stopping and sort of blocking emergency response vehicles. City officials have said this technology is not ready for prime time. And we didn't just hear it from San Francisco. We heard uh, San Francisco officials counterparts from LA, a famously car-dependent city, saying, we have the same concerns. And I think the industry clearly sees that it's not just San Francisco. They would love to expand in L.A. as well. 
Ultimately, the Public Utilities Commission did approve uh, that expansion. San Francisco immediately went to court to block it. And then days later, after a series of additional incidents, the DMV got crews to agree to have their fleet. And so there's just a lot of back and forth in San Francisco. And I think these cars spur a really visceral reaction, even in people who are into the tech. That's the San Francisco piece on the state level. Organized labor is pushing a bill to say no testing of autonomous trucks without a human safety driver on board. So if you ask lawmakers and the Teamsters, they'll say this is a reasonable safety measure. If you ask the industry, they'll say California is kneecapping this technology in its infancy and it's just going to go to other states. Have you seen in San Francisco, I guess, with the robo taxis, apparently there are protesters putting traffic cones on the hood of the cars, which causes them to stop? There are. During that uh, six or seven hour hearing over this expansion, one gentleman in the public comment section showed up with a traffic cone and held it aloft like a like a, a rallying cry. So, yeah, there is, um, you know, San Francisco, a city with a lot of ties to the tech industry, also a very liberal place with a history of activism. And so some folks have taken matters into their own hands and figured out how to disable these cars. So so like I said, it really does prompt this visceral reaction where some people say the roads are aren't unsafe. This is a way to, to reduce traffic deaths. And some people just say, we don't want this. Why are you pushing this on us? And, and I think you've seen a lot of both. You know, with what's going on in San Francisco with the robo-taxis, what's going on in Sacramento at the state level with, you know, this bill that would require humans to be in the cabs of autonomous trucks? Is there a through line here that you see between kind of these two parallel stories? Absolutely. I think there are sort of two pieces here that are related. One is the public safety concerns. It's interesting because one of the industry's main justifications for autonomous vehicles is plenty of people die on the roads every year, tens of thousands of people, indisputably. And the industry says we can clean that up. But you see city officials and uh, state officials as the state legislation moves arguing this technology is not safe enough yet for wide-scale deployment, especially when you're talking about massive 10,000-pound-plus trucks. That's one piece. I actually think the more politically significant piece, especially with the state legislation, is concerns about what this means for jobs. This has really sort of become a proxy for larger questions about automation, artificial intelligence. I spoke to multiple people in the organized labor movement in California who said, look, we're seeing massive strikes in Hollywood in which writers are objecting to the use of artificial intelligence. You know, this is affecting truckers and taxi drivers today. What about school bus drivers down the road? And so, yes, this is about a specific sector of self-driving vehicles, but I think it really reflects larger concerns about massive economic transformations and what it means for workforces. I, I think there's a feeling as well that if you look at, say, Uber and Lyft and what happened with those companies' expansion, where they really sort of went into new markets and cities and, um, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission, and the regulators and policymakers were kind of behind. Right. I think there's a feeling that we can't let that happen with autonomous vehicles, where the industry advances and then it's too late. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, that dynamic you're describing does exist in so many industries right now, right? Where, of course, there's Hollywood, but r really there's no sector that is not experiencing some automation. Um, and I, I think early on, you know, the, the sense was like, 
labor-intensive jobs, very manual jobs, were the ones that would be automated. And now we see, which we, you know, to some degree, I think would apply to to trucking, but. We're seeing that same dynamic now emerge in creative industries and, you know, so-called white-collar industries, right? It just keeps evolving. I mean, I guess one question I have, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the Teamsters being a, a driving force, no pun intended, <laughs> behind this uh, trucking bill. How much pull do these labor groups actually have in Sacramento to kind of get this bill over the line? An enormous amount in Sacramento, I would say. Uh, organized labor is uh, a very powerful force in Sacramento. They're very active in the legislature. They are very active in electing and supporting Democrats, turning voters out. So there's no doubt that's a big factor here. But another important factor here is Governor Gavin Newsom. He has longstanding ties to the tech industry. He was mayor of San Francisco before he became governor. He genuinely sees a lot of value in the innovation economy to keep California competitive, to generate tax revenue and jobs. And his administration very forcefully came out against this trucking bill. That is not something we usually see. The governor does not typically weigh in on legislation before it hits his desk. And so the governor has really laid down a marker here that that sets him against organized labor. And this is not new for this governor. A couple of years ago, I mentioned Uber and Lyft. There was a huge fight in California over legislation that, um, to summarize, would have made drivers for those companies employees rather than independent contractors. It was an enormous fight. And the governor, to the consternation of quite a few folks in labor, really was hunting for a deal, was trying to get people to come together and figure something out. And so this is a governor who tends to take that more accommodating route when it comes to the tech industry at a time when you see organized labor really trying to sort of rein these companies in. And is that because of his sort of pre-existing relationships with some of these companies and their their CEOs, you know, given his his obvious ties to San Francisco? Because this does put him on the other side of a lot of Democrats there in California, right, who are kind of more sympathetic to the labor arguments. And we've seen, ironically enough, California has of any state in the country increasingly become critical of tech companies and and pro-regulating tech companies, even though they're, they're, you know, based right there in the state. I think undoubtedly some of it is Gavin Newsom's ties to the tech industry. I mean, he has known and mingled with and texted with tech people for years. Uh, his firstborn son's godfather is Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. He's, uh, yeah. he's very tied in. He's very tied in. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he and Elon Musk go way back. That's kind of been a hot, cold relationship. But there's no doubt that as governor of uh, California and former mayor of San Francisco, he has a lot of ties to people in this industry. But I don't think it's just relationship based. I really do think this governor, he talks a lot about California being sort of a national and global attraction. And undoubtedly, the tech industry is a big part of that. California's tax revenue famously very volatile and dependent on the big earners. And a lot of that is the tech industry. And so I think this is a governor who says we need to stay competitive. We need to keep this industry here. We need to keep these jobs and this tax revenue here. And this innovation here at a time when you read all these headlines about California's population diminishing, which is true, they and it's not just Gavin Newsom, policymakers want to ensure that companies want to stay here and want to attract world-class talent here. And so I think you see some genuine concern among some people about being overly uh, onerous with regulation and driving companies out of the state. 
Has Newsom gone so far as to say he'll veto this bill if it does get passed? He hasn't specifically said that, but he has his top business official, D.D. Myers, a former Clinton administration official, sending a letter to lawmakers saying, we emphatically reject this bill. So I think you can read between the lines. And if this bill hits his desk in that current form, it certainly sounds like he's going to veto it. We are getting towards the finish line here in the legislative process. Uh, The legislature wraps up in mid-September. That's the deadline to send bills to the governor. So is there some sort of median compromise that might be acceptable to this governor? We'll see. But uh, certainly those opposition letters throw a wrench in this bill late in the process. And I should note, this isn't a bill that was barely passing the legislature in sort of tight party line votes. It was passing by broad margins with number of Republicans supporting it. And so this is something where it's In a lot of ways, it's not just sort of Gavin Newsom versus some labor line Democrats. It's really kind of Gavin Newsom versus much of the legislature, not to mention organized labor, who, again, you know, they've been very supportive of that governor when he's facing a recall and in other situations. Um, And so this is, you know, he has shown a willingness to frustrate some of those allies before when it comes to tech stuff. And I think we're seeing it again. There's an argument the industry makes, and and they've made it since kind of the very beginning of of AVs rolling out of the road, you know, which is that there are tens of thousands of people who die every year in automotive accidents. AVs might be safer than human drivers, not necessarily perfect, but safer, Um, which is an argument that I can kind of understand, right? You know, I think there is a resistance to new technology and sort of demands that technology be perfect. Obviously, when safety is on the line, that that particularly matters. But the status quo is also not perfect, right? And so, you know, is perfect the enemy of good or whatever whatever the phrase is, right? You know, uh, I guess if there's improvement to be made because of technology, is that worth it? Um, do you hear that argument being made now in California as this bill is advancing? Absolutely. I mean, this is something that you hear from folks in the industry. I spoke with Jeff Farah of the Autonomous Vehicle Industry Association, who made this point that the status quo is 40,000 plus deaths on American highways every year. Those numbers have risen in recent years. If you break out the trucking specific number, that has also gone up. That might just be year to year variation. But the point is, I don't think anybody thinks that driving is a zero risk proposition right now, you know, and the folks in the industry will also make the point that in a lot of ways, trucks on a highway, that's kind of an easier technological um, puzzle to solve than a car driving on complicated city streets with one way roads and, and vehicles pulled over in the bike lane. The type of driving where you've seen a lot of these crews and Waymo vehicles um, unexpectedly stopping in San Francisco. And so the industry's argument, uh, Autonomous Vehicle Industry Association and others, certainly is. It's not as if the status quo is working. I think what you are hearing on the other side is, okay, fine, but we don't think this technology is ready for prime time to be rolled out on a wide scale. Got it. And I do think that those safety concerns on both sides are legitimate, but I think to a certain extent, organized labor, which is principally worried about the job losses, has sort of seized on and aligned itself with those safety arguments as a way to um, to sort of pump the brakes here, if you'll excuse the pun. Right. A lot of, a lot of puns uh, can be made in a show about uh, vehicles, autonomous vehicles especially. Well, I guess my last question, um, you know, is California alone here or a sign of what's to come? Because I think if you zoom out, 
you know, there are states that have embraced autonomous vehicles and cities that have embraced autonomous vehicles. So, uh, you know, is California, in this case, sort of a resistor or, or a trendsetter when it comes to how these things are being received? That's a great question. And I think it highlights an important part of this, which is that California always has a lot of influence with matters of uh, economic regulation, given its size, especially with tech stuff, given that a lot of these companies are headquartered here. So you have seen, uh, I think, like a half dozen other state legislatures advance bills similar to California's. None of them really went anywhere. California's has gone the farthest. And then on the other hand, the industry will point out that states like Texas and Arizona are moving ahead, allowing driverless trucks without humans on board. And so certainly there is a question of, well, if California blocks this, what does that mean more widely? I think the industry would tell you and has said, and this is something the Newsom administration has said, you're just going to send these jobs to other states and deprive California of it. All that said, I do think the sort of vehemence of the backlash uh, to the robo-taxis, for example, in San Francisco, demonstrates that for the proclaimed benefits of this technology, there's a lot of concern, there's a lot of anxiety. And as I said, I think that reflects these larger questions about what is happening with automation and artificial intelligence, because the truth is, you can brandish statistics about the relatively fewer collisions self-driving vehicles get into versus humans and publish studies about the predicted economic benefits. But the truth is, as with any technology, I don't think we truly will understand the repercussions of full-scale deployment until it happens. And at that point, it's kind of too late, right? And right. so I, I think, as with a lot of technologies, this these technologies are here. Artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, they're here, they're improving, and they are being rolled out increasingly in different states and cities. And I think as that has uh, accelerated, you are seeing sort of this counter move to say, hold on a minute, what's going to win out? I hate to use this phrase, but that remains to be seen. Right, right. Fascinating to see where this heads. And, you know, I've covered this stuff for a long time. And there is something I think particularly unique about driving. It is such a, um, I don't, it's such a human activity. It's so, it's so part of our culture, right? Like taking to the open road, getting your license when you, you know, turn 16, uh, your first car. There, there's just like a psychological cultural aspect to driving that I think complicates this whole transition to autonomous driving. But listen, Jeremy, we will be reading all of your coverage out of California. Thank you for being on the Politico Tech podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. That's all for Politico Tech today. Be sure to read Jeremy's story on politico.com and send us your take on California's AV fight at techpodcast@politico.com. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overley. Let's meet back here tomorrow.